Welcome to the Gentleman Project Podcast. I'm Kirk Chug. And I'm Corey Moore. Today we have Jim Olson with us. I've known Jim for quite a long time, and um, I've always been impressed with the kind of person that he is. He, you definitely would know Jim as a gentleman. Um, so I asked him to be on the podcast, and he graciously said yes. Um, Jim is, are you the president of the Utah Jazz? That's correct. Is that the official title now? Yeah, as far as titles go, that's the one they gave me. I mean, dad's a cooler title, but... Much cooler. (laughs) I'll take that any day of the week. That's right. So tell us, to give us some context, Jim, tell us a little bit about um, your role there and and with all the other sports things that you're involved with. Give us a little insight into your career, and then we'll jump into family. Great. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you today. Um, you know, Corey, as you mentioned, we've known each other a long time. I've, I've been with the Jazz for 28 years now. Uh, really started it at, at an entry-level position. Uh, worked my way up kind of through the ticket sales and marketing and then had the opportunity to work in other departments. And uh, the sports entertainment group, you know, makes up the Jazz and the Arena and the Salt Lake Bees. And back when we were owned by the Millers, we had movie theaters and we had a racetrack at one point. So I really kind of had a wide, broad experience in, in all sports entertainment. And, and then about a year and a half ago, I was named president of the Utah Jazz. And, uh, you know, I really focus on the business side. And we have Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck who focus on the basketball side. And then we work really closely to, they, they work to put a good team on the court so we can make some money. And we work to make money so that they can pay players. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a great, uh, great organization. And it's been a, been a lot of fun. Congratulations on your year this year so far. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's been a year, you know, especially with COVID and everything we've had to deal with there. But, uh, you know, we feel like we've let out in the NBA in a lot of areas, getting fans back into the games. And obviously, obviously the team has performed on the court and uh, it's been a great year and we're excited for the playoffs to start. Super cool. Yeah, super cool. Uh, Jim, would you tell us a little bit about your family makeup? I mean, it's it's pretty cool to have the president of the Utah Jazz on the podcast, but like Corey said, the title of father is probably something that you take most seriously in your life. Uh, so tell us about your family, tell us about your kids, and some of your background maybe growing up if it's applicable. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, no question. Uh, being a father and a husband is by far the the greatest thing in my life and the thing that I take most pride in. And uh, uh, very fortunate. I met a, a wonderful uh, young woman at the University of Utah when we were going to college. And uh, her, my wife's name is Susie. Susie came from Colorado to go to school at the University of Utah. I think she jokes sometimes that uh, I had to marry someone outside of Utah because none of the girls in Utah were going to be willing to marry me. But uh, I was <laughs> fortunate to find uh, find a, a wife to be uh, that uh, I, as most of us admit, we married way up and, and Susie fits that role and has, has played a huge role in helping me grow up and, and learn how to be a husband and a father. And uh, we've just had a wonderful life together. We, we have four children. Uh, most are, well, they're all pretty much grown up now. Um, our oldest daughter, Maddie, uh, she's married to, to Christian and they ha- we have our first grandchild. He just turned, Congrats. yeah, yeah. Just turned one about a year ago. And uh, it's been absolutely amazing to become grandparents. And, and so Maddie and Christian live here in, in town and, and, uh, are starting their family and it's, it's a really exciting time. And then I have a son, John, 
Uh, John just moved out to just outside of San Francisco to, to take on a new job. He graduated uh, from college and is working in the healthcare industry. And uh, uh, I've, I've hated having him move away, but I'm watching the experience that he's having growing up and learning uh, some of the new things, you know, moving away from home. And, and I'm really proud of him. And then my next son is uh, Abe. Abe's a senior at the University of Utah and studying business and uh, uh, really on track to, you know, graduate in about a year and he's gaining some good work experience. Uh, kind of in, in your field, Corey, he's working for a local developer as a, you know, kind of part-time internship and uh, who knows, he, he may find his, his way into the business uh, like you, Corey. But, uh, and then my youngest daughter, Lily, uh, she's also uh, a senior uh, at the University of Utah, and she wants to go to PA school, be a physician's assistant. And uh, all of my kids have way overachieved uh, what I, what what they would have had I been the sole uh, one responsible <laughs> for it. But their mother kept them kept them in line, and uh, they're doing great things. And I'm just so proud of my children. Well, you can tell sitting across from Jim, like as he speaks of his children, he just glows, his <laughs> eyes smile as he says his kids' names. Like you, you can really tell you've got a lot of respect and are really proud of your kids. You know, I really am. And uh, I'm sure we're going to get into it and talk about it. But uh, you wonder as a father, especially when they're young, it's, this world is tough. It is a tough world. And how are they going to grow up and, and find their way through these challenges? And, and you, I worried a lot about it as a father. And and now to see him, you know, graduating from school and getting jobs and raising a child and and moving on, moving outside and, and really venturing out, it it it's so exciting and really fulfilling. Very cool. I may ask you kind of a general question, Jim. Hopefully that's okay. Absolutely. Um, so, in a lot of ways, uh, whatever you did has been working, right? And I'm not that there. I'm sure weren't bumps along the road and all that kind of stuff, like everyone has. But um, if you were to look back on raising your kids, and now they're kind of going out on their own, and and um, you're obviously very proud. What kind of things would you say um, worked or or didn't work? You know yeah. what? Yeah. If you had keys to success, you know, if you were to going to tell your younger self, let's say, hey. This is going to work. This isn't going to work so well. <laughs> Do you give me some thoughts on that for those li for listeners? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, and and unfortunately, you know, I think I learned more what doesn't work through experience. But but I'll start with a few things that I do feel like worked. Um, you know, Susie and I from the very get go decided we wanted to have a close family, and and you can't just say we want to be a close family. You, you have to put things behind it. You have to you have to decide early on that that you're going to be engaged with your children, but also expect your children to be engaged with you. Um, you know there might be things. I love my daughter Lily, and she was a pianist. I didn't love going to piano recitals. You know, you joke, you kind of like it's it's a two hour piano recital to hear your child play for three minutes, but you got to listen to the other two hours. To, but you go because you want to support your child in that, and you make it a big deal. But, but at the same time, your children have to participate in things you want them to participate in. They may not want to. They may want to go hang out with their friends on Friday night, but, but we're going to be together as a family tonight. And so you kind of develop that two-way street where I'm going to invest in you, 
But even though you're just the children, the children have to invest back into the family. And we wouldn't word it that way. I never told, oh, you have to invest back. We just, we just made it clear that, that family is number one. Family is most important. And, and uh, family is, oh, I, I, I would say on a very regular basis, family is first. And once again, that doesn't mean that there aren't times that they can blow off the family to go do their thing, and, but, but family is first. And uh, I think that emphasis on family being first has, number one, kept us very close, and number two, created opportunities for us to support each other and, and uh, you know, help, uh, help us grow together, learn from mistakes. Yeah, I, I mentioned, you mentioned, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes. Um, my personality is a little A-type, and uh, sometimes that's not the best personality for raising children. You know, <laughs> it, it, there were times when I realized I was, I, my personality was telling them how they should do things. And, you know, that worked for one of my sons because his personality accepted that. But it didn't work for another of my son. My, my other son, he had to learn it his own way. He had to figure it out his own way. And that was hard for me. And once again, because you love your children, you're concerned about them, you want them to, you want them to take the easiest path, but sometimes you got to let them feel those bumps and bruises and learn from that themselves. And I definitely felt like I had the vision for them and you do this, you do this, you do this and you do this and life's going to be a lot easier. Well, that doesn't work. And it was hard as a parent to accept the fact that even though you saw that next step your child had to make, they had to make that decision on their own. And Sometimes you have to stand back and let them do that. It's been a common recurring theme, <laughs> totally. uh, you know, sure. and, and there's, there's, and so there's gotta be a lot of wisdom in that, you know, yeah. that setting that, uh, the expectations and then letting them kind of become their own person, regardless of how good you think, you know, so it's, it's come up in a lot of podcasts so far and you can do it. Kirk. Very, very valuable. There would have had to have been some conversation or culture specific conversation about this is what we do as a family, as the Olson family, this is who we are. This is what we do where you get pushback from, from especially teenagers when friends become more important than family in their minds, at least temporarily. Do you ever remember having a conversation with your kids or a sit down where uh, some of those things were talked about as expectations of what we do as an Olson family or a mantra that you guys live by. My, my daughters were really good at going to my, my son's baseball games or, you know, some other sporting events. And for whatever reason, they go, go to a football game or go to a baseball game. And all of a sudden my daughters would have a soccer game and, you know, the boys had no interest. There's no way they were going to support that. And, and, you know, you sit them down and and you say, Hey, you know, John, Maddie, Maddie was at your baseball game last week. And, you know, how much would it mean to her if all of a sudden you showed up? And I don't know, it it sounds like you're pointing out the obvious, but you mentioned it, you know, when they're teenagers, uh, they were great kids, but teenagers are focused on themselves. And I think it's, it's just pointing out what we think is so simple uh, but uh, helping them see that, uh, you know, there, there's more to their growing up than just themselves. And, and you know, to that point, now that they're young adults, it, it's so cool to see how they're engaged with each other and how much, how interested they are in each other's lives. And so, uh, you know, just helping them understand that uh, there's more to life than what they see at that moment. 
and uh, and then you know giving them a little nudge and and push along the way to help them help them get there. So Jim, I noticed earlier you were talking about your wife. I could tell that that relationship means a lot, and she's brought a lot to the table that's made you who you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm so fortunate. Um, as I mentioned, I'm kind of a type, and you know, to me. Uh, you know, things are always very clear in my eyes. You know, I remember years ago, Su- Susie's an artist and uh, she th- sees things in all different colors and all different angles and all different shades. And she would say to me years ago, you know, Jim, not everything's black and white. And at first I would say, yes, it is. <laughs> you know, I, there's, there's right, there's wrong, there's yes, there's no. And how wrong I was. And, and I think, you know, an example that I kind of referenced a minute ago is, how I, I, I learned a little bit late how I was raising one child was not how I should raise the other child. There are four completely different personalities. And, you know, Susie helped me realize that. She caught on very early strengths and weaknesses in each child and how she could adapt and how she could learn to relate and how she could create expectations based on who they are as individuals. Where me, it was always one plus one equals two. You take this step, you take that step, and it leads to this, and then you go here, and and Susie balanced that out. So, you know, I'm the one that always sees everything very clear cut, and she's the one that sees things in colors and shades and different levels, and, and she helped balance that out. There's so much to be said for these children learning who they are. If, if a young man is going to really be a gentleman, he's going to be a gentleman because he understands who he is and his role as a gentleman. And not because I told him that's who you need to be. And, you know, sometimes my approach was, well, this is who you need to be. Where Susie's approach was helping him understand who he was as an individual and how that could, could help bless or help affect other people's lives for the positive. Would you go back in time with us a little bit and talk to us about somebody who was influential in your life in teaching you some of the things that you've now taught your own kids? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no question that uh, my father was, was most influential in, in, in how I you know taught my kids. The thing that's really interesting about that is there's a lot of hindsight to that. And what I mean is I, I used a lot of things that I learned from my father in raising my kids, but I actually didn't realize I was doing it till later. And it's really become apparent, uh, you know, my, my father actually passed away just about a year ago. And so I've had the last year, I, I think of him every day. And, and, uh, but now I'm like, I did do that because of my father. I'm not sure when, when my kid was eight, nine, 10, 15 years old, I was thinking, oh, this is how my dad did it. But looking back on it, I can absolutely see that my, my father influenced absolutely how I built relationships with my children. I, I was probably a little stronger in, in my approach initially. He, he was a little bit more patient. That's one of these hindsight, you know, boy, I wish I would have been a little more patient at times and a little bit more understanding at times. But I think the, the one quality I learned from my father, my father always expressed confidence in us as children growing up. And I, I hope looking back on it that my kids realized I, I always had confidence in them to, to be great and, and to succeed and to be kind and, uh, and, and to grow up as, as good people in society. Give us a little bit of some how on that. I think that's something that 
we haven't talked a lot about in the podcast and is an important part of a parent's role is instilling confidence. Yeah. Not that you don't sometimes tell them when they're off the rail. Yeah. But I need to do a better job of that at my house is instilling confidence. Yeah. Let me, I'm going to combine two stories and then I'll, I'll make them quick, but I'm going to combine two stories that kind of tie into that. One is the mistake and one is learning from that mistake. And so both my boys were, were good high school baseball players and, and they were very passionate about their baseball. And the first one, the older one, you learn on the older ones and then, you know, get to benefit on the younger ones. But so John, you know, it was after a baseball game once and he was a really good baseball player, but he, he didn't have a particularly good game. And we're driving home after the game. I learned later in life, he didn't like the car rides home after the game. And he would always, he said, yeah, I used to try to tell mom, mom, can I ride home with you instead of dad? And, and not, you know, but I, after the game, I'm like, Hey, John, at this one at bat, you know, you, you did this. Did you think about maybe you should have swung at this pitch and not swing at this pitch. And then on this play in the field. And I went through this five, seven minute recap of his baseball game. And he looked over at me and I, I don't know, he was probably 14, 15 years old, looked over after, and I, I brought up this and this and this and this. And he said, dad, does it really matter? And, you know, I felt about two inches tall, right? I was like, okay, my 14 year old son is putting into perspective what really matters. And I swallowed a little bit and I said, no, it doesn't. Thank you. You know, and you know, he just got done with a baseball game. He didn't need his dad, you know, critiquing or recap. He knew what he did wrong in the game. He knew what he did good in the game and maybe, you know, and, and I just, I was like, it hit me so hard. So now years later, my next son, Abe, and, and he'd had a terrible game and he was a good ball player too, but he had a terrible game and he came home and I, I, I had learned, I wasn't going to recap the game and he came home and he was just, you know, he was just beside himself. He said, I am just a terrible baseball player. And I said, think about what you just said. You said, I am a terrible baseball player. I said, I want you to think about that differently. You're not a terrible baseball player. You played a terrible game, but you are a man. You are a person. Define who you are as a person. Don't let baseball define who you are. And, and not trying to say, oh, I handled it great because it took me, you know, handle, handling it really bad with John to, to learn that lesson. But I needed Abe to understand baseball was not who he was as a person. Okay, so you had a bad baseball game. So for those two hours, you were a bad baseball player. So what? Because in the rest of your life, you're a great person. You're a leader. You're a friend. You're a good example to others. You, Abe is my kid that looks to do service. We, we, we've come out of our house in the wintertime, and he had a truck, and he was the one who always carried you know, ropes in his truck so he could pull people out of the snow and help people out of fixes. And, and that's who you are. You're not a baseball player. You're a great young man that's looking to do good in life. So, okay, so you had a bad baseball game. That's okay. And, and so it was, it was John telling me, Hey dad, does it really matter? And then I could, when it happened to Abe, I, I could help him identify who he was not as a baseball player. So many lessons in that <laughs> there are. And, and if your kids play sports, yeah. the time right after the game, they are so susceptible to any type of feedback. And if the feedback is negative, then they feel negative. Yep. If the feedback is positive and reaffirming and reassuring that you, you did your very best yep. and you've got a couple of things to work on, but I'm proud of you. They are so much more open during that car ride home. I've heard of this and like studies done on this, that 
during that car ride home, they are open to teaching. Yep. Yeah. And they will remember that time for the rest of their lives. No question. They'll turn off the negativity, right? They'll, they'll just turn it off and they'll turn you off. And, and like I said, they'll look to drive home with mom instead of dad, <laughs> because mom's going to love them and stop and buy him a cheeseburger and a Slurpee and, <laughs> and have a great time. But, but to your point, you, you give them the positive. I tell Abe not to identify himself as a baseball player, but they're teenagers and they're still going to identify themselves. So make it positive, make them feel good. Men and women do that as adults. Yes. A lot of times you take a job away from a person and they don't have an identity anymore. And for a kid in high school playing baseball, that's who you are. That is your identity. So you take that away. They don't really know who they are yet. They're still trying to figure that out. So there's a lot of wisdom in the lesson though, that you learned what not to do on the first one. The second one benefited from it. And there's, you know, to anybody who's listening, who's maybe not done that right, or is in that position where they've learned something, try it on the next kid or go back and apologize. Like how powerful is that? If you go back and say, you know what, that time I've been thinking about this, that time that I critiqued you, I probably shouldn't have. And I'm sorry. That's probably going to stick in their mind just as much as the critique did. If you bring it back up and apologize, like be the bigger person and say, this is, this is something that I've felt strongly about and I want to make it right with you. You know, apologizing to your children and, and once again, like everything else I learned way too late in life, but, but apologizing to your children is one of the most powerful things. You know, you're, you're the adult, you're the one that should have all the experience, should have the answers, should know how to handle situations. And when you go and sincerely apologize to a child and ask them, you know, for forgiveness and ask them, how can you make it better or make it up to them? It, it, it creates a bond and a trust with a parent that, that is powerful. So obviously you don't just go apologize just for that sake, but you, you do it because it's the right thing to do. And you're trying to teach your children, you know, you do things for the right reason. But, but I have learned that, that you know, humbling myself and, and telling a, an 18 year old child that he or she knew something better than I did. And I apologize. It's created a bond, help, help that bond be tighter with my kids. So Jim, you're running quite the organization and I can't help but ask you have a lot of what I would call consider young men as basketball players. Um, and then you have a lot of employees that are young. Yep. Is there advice for that generation? Is there advice for young men? My mind wants to get in your head about what kind of advice would you give to these young men in the NBA? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and I am so fortunate, um, you know, for, for the vast majority of my career, we were owned by the Miller family. And um, from, from Larry Miller to Gail Miller, there was always a, a mantra of doing good. That phrase is used constantly in the workplace that uh, we have a responsibility to do good. We do work in a business that is very recognizable. And, uh, and, and so if we have, because of that, we have that responsibility to, to do good. We have a new owner in Ryan Smith who uh, brought that same mantra. He's, he's given a full ride four-year scholarship for every win that the Jazz have this year. And, you know, these are, uh, you know, to underprivileged children that, uh, you know, may not have the opportunity to go to college. And so, you know, I really focus on um, we can go to work and, and if that means 
going onto the court and checking the boxes of what you have to do at practice or showing up in the office and working in the marketing department or the sales department, you can go and check the boxes. I, I, I got my work done today, but where it really has meaning um, to you as an individual, to individuals that you will reach, that you will be, connect with and to a community as a whole, when you have a focus on doing good, and looking to, to utilize your job, your responsibilities beyond uh, checking the boxes, uh, that's when it makes a difference. That's when you go home at night, you know, feeling really, really good about yourself and, and knowing that, that it's, it's bigger than you. No matter what we do in life, if it's family, if it's a job, if it's a religion, if it's whatever we engage with, if we realize whatever it is is bigger than us as individuals, and we have an opportunity to give back and, and help make it even bigger uh, than us, then uh, th that's when, I think that's when we really uh, find that satisfaction and that, that happiness and peace in life that, that we're doing something more than just checking boxes. That is fantastic advice. Being, being engaged in something bigger than ourselves and not being, being selfless is ultimately where true happiness comes from and usually um, where great things happen. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's really what being a parent is, you know, I mean, for however, however many years, the first formative years of life are, everything you're doing is for your children, everything yeah, from providing a, a roof over their heads to, to food on the table, the clothes to wear. And then, and then you take it opportunities for education, opportunities to play sports, opportunities to, to work, uh, we always emphasize, our kids always had jobs and it could be, could have been mowing lawns or babysitting until you could go get real jobs. But uh, everything you do as a, as a parent needs to be selfless. It needs to be about your child. And sometimes that's hard because, you know, your, your kids don't always know how to thank you for it. They, they just, they don't know any better. They just think that's what you should be doing as a parent. And, um, but, but if you can adapt or, or take that same approach, me going to work every day is not about me going to work. It, it's, it's going to work for the employees to give the employees chance to, chances to grow, chances to learn, chances to advance in their careers, chances to have experiences that they can share with others. And so that's where I find the most happiness in, in, in my job is, is, you know, adapting what you do as a parent and helping your children grow and experience to the workplace and your other employees. There's kind of like a line that you cross too, because you grow up as a myopic teenager and then you become a dad. And from that point forward, you're right. Things start to become more about others and less about you. And those who are successful parents embrace that. And they realize that life is bigger than me now. So how has being a father impacted you as a person? Um, it has absolutely humbled me to my knees because, you know, we joke, but I think we joke because if we didn't joke about it in my family, it would, it would hurt too much. But like, I wasn't a good dad in the first year or two. It's not that I was a bad dad, but that six month old baby, they have nothing to give you back. Right. You know, and so it's like, hey, Susie, Maddie's crying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like I, 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 I was still in that phase that 
I, I didn't realize it, but the hindsight that, well, I wasn't getting anything out of it. So why am I going to go change the diaper? And not to say I didn't change diapers, but I didn't do it with love and excitement. And this is awesome. And I love being a dad to a six month old. And, and then I realized all of a sudden when they could go out and toss the ball around or kick a ball around, then all of a sudden I, was, I loved it. But, but the point, my, my point, you know, to your question is that it has humbled me to be a father one, because I realized it didn't come, it didn't, it didn't come naturally and easy at first. I, I had to learn and grow into it. And two, because when you do understand that responsibility of that child growing up and hopefully becoming, I, I, I would say this to my kids and I don't, I, I wish maybe I would have found a better way to say it, but the importance of being productive in society giving to society, not taking from society. And I, I, I talked to my kids about that quite a bit, I feel. And, and when, when I understood that responsibility uh, and, and how important it was to me that my children were, were growing up to be productive in society, it, it has humbled me because um, it's hard. It's hard for the, the children and it's hard for the parents and, and finding that there's not one way there's, there, there are, there are right and wrong ways per se, but, um, it's been so humbling to, to be a parent and understand that responsibility. I remember an experience real quick. When my oldest was born, I was in the same exact position and I was looking at this little baby and thinking, wow, I'm sure glad that Karen's here and that she knows what she's doing because I have no idea. And hadn't really changed me like the responsibility part of being a dad because you're not interacting with it. You're not teaching yet. It's just tasks at that point. And I remember one day, you know, she was just exhausted and she looked at me and she said, Kirk, I need more help. And I'll never forget that because I was like, oh, well, what can I do? You know, I was, I was thinking about it as like tasks that, well, she's, she's a stay at home mom. That's what you do. And I didn't want to encroach upon the territory, but she was honest enough with me to look at me and say, I need more help. I'm drowning here because I'm a first time parent too. Right. And so from that point forward, it became my job to do certain things. And then one of those things that she said, I need you to take this off my plate was bath time. So I gave my kids baths. And so every night she would look at me and she'd say, it's bath time. And that was my job. And that came from just that very small conversation of her saying, Kirk, I need more help. So if you need something from somebody, I don't think that it's that they're not willing to, it's that they might not know how to, or that it's the right place for them give everybody a break because it's the first time. If you're a first time parent, there is something that changes in you, but it doesn't happen overnight. There's a learning curve. I had to learn that, uh, you know, by maybe a little bit of the straightforward direct, uh, you know, I need help. And we had our, we had our four kids in just over five and a half years. And I will tell you, I look back on it now, me going to work and just like everyone else, I work long hours. We work weekends, we work holidays, we work evenings, you know, being in the business that we're in. I'll tell you a 12 hour day at work for me was cake compared to what Susie was dealing with at home with four young children. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you the, the women in our lives are superheroes uh, for what they do. 
I was going to ask you about the work-life balance thing, because I know how big of a job you've had and had for some time. And I think we all evolve over time. Certainly our roles change too, and that helps. But talk to me about what did you learn along the way? What worked, what didn't work about being able to um, you know, give everything you had to give at work and be engaged at home. Yeah. You know, like you said, it, it evolves because early on I didn't have work-life balance. Um, it was all work, even though it w- I say it was all work. I fortunately, um, there were things in our lives that helped, uh, me really engage with the kids. Um, we're a ski family. And um, we're, we're, we are a religious family, and, and Sunday is, is for our religion. But a very, very close second to Sundays being for religion is Saturdays in the winter are for skiing. And, you know, I, we weren't a boating family, and I have friends that say, oh, there's nothing like having your family out on a boat. And so I, but, but that's how it was for me with the kids on the chairlift. And every Saturday morning, uh, it was, we, we're going skiing. And, you know, there were mornings where the kids, oh, dad, I want to sleep in. I don't want, no, we're going skiing. And, and, uh, and that, that was to the very first, there's a little give and take with, with the, uh, both sides of the equation. And, but now as adults, we still, every Saturday, our family skiing together. It, it sounds really good to say you're going to have work-life balance. There are times when you can do that in your life, but there are times when you can't. Work is demanding. But when you aren't at work, find those things um, I look at those those Saturdays skiing with my family, and like I said, as much as our religion is important to us in our family, boy, I'll tell you, those Saturday ski days have played just as important role of us being a close family, being together, the relationships we have. I mean, now it's Saturday morning, and or you know, it's Friday night, and the kids, it, these are 26-year-old kids saying, hey, what time are we leaving for skiing in the morning? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's <laughs> great. great. Yeah, that's fantastic. There is certainly times and seasons. Yeah. Right. But this consistency, and we've heard this on other podcasts, this consistency of traditions a bit, right. Whether that's going to church or whether that's going skiing or both in your case, is there any other traditions or things that you feel like your family did that kept you close or together? Yeah. Very, very fortunate. And you know, you you asked about, uh, you know, what I learned from a mentor and I mentioned my father, you know, as young kids, uh, we, we took a week every year and would go down to the beach down in Southern California and my family now vacations at the exact spot I did as a kid. And we know we've got that one week and every year we're, and, and, you know, people say, what do you do down there? And the answer is nothing. We sit on the beach well, don't you get bored? And, and I'm, yeah, and that's really awesome because now we're talking to each other and we're, you know, playing little games on the beach or we're going and jumping in the water together. And it is, it is a week. And, it, you know, I understand not everyone has opportunities for vacations or, or whatever. And we do other little vacations throughout the year, but that beach trip each year where there's nothing else. And you sit there, you sleep, you read a book, you talk, you laugh, you, you, like I said, jump in the water, swim, play games. And, and I will tell you those, those times just sitting on the beach as a family and, you know, no one wants to go in at the night as the sun is going down and you're, it's calm and it's quiet and it's peaceful or, or the early morning strolls on the beach and, and having the kids be there. It's very, very special. And it's special because, 
like I said, I grew up doing it with my kid, my my parents and my siblings, and now we're doing it with our our siblings. And it's a special time each year. If there was one thing that you could say, if if I could wave a magic wand and my kids would embody this one thing that I could have given them as their dad, what would that quality be? You are asking a question that I literally think about multiple times a day. This is how important this is to me. And it's probably because not probably, but it's definitely because I didn't emphasize this enough until later in life. And that is to be kind. Um, and fortunately, once again, because of my, my children's mother, they are all very, very kind children, but I wish they would have seen that as a higher priority in me and my life. Not, not I, I'm sure I've been unkind. I know I've been unkind, but, but not that I would, I'm a terribly unkind person, but, but if I could look back and go back, I would want my kids seeing me being a kind person every minute of the day, every time I turn the corner, every time I engage with someone, every time I have an opportunity to, to show it extra kindness to, per, to, to people. Um, we live in such a divisive world right now. I have not found the answers to, is this right over here? Or is this right over here? But what answer I have found is that kindness brings that divisiveness closer together. Um, we can disagree on politics. We can disagree on how to even raise children or, or religion, or we can disagree on things across the board. But when you're kind to each other, it brings you so much closer. And, and I didn't, like I said, I don't think I was unkind. I know I was unkind at times, but I, I wasn't an unkind person. But I, w- I would wish my kids would look back and say, oh, my dad was always kind to people. He always went out of his way to show kindness and look out for the underdog and look out for the person in need. Um, look out for the person that maybe hadn't had kindness shown them. And so I, I think about that all the time. And now I'm trying and I'm making, trying to make up for it. That's cool. I do remember when I wrote that in my son's gentleman project book for the first time, that gentleman is kind and he looks out for people who can't look out for themselves and finds the underdog and supports them. So I'm right there with you. I think that that's a, a, a very great quality of a gentleman. I have to jump in here because, and give kudos to Jim, because he and his wife are those people. My wife and I have talked about you guys behind your backs. <laughs> and it's always, aren't they so nice? Aren't they so kind? You know, you're, you are those people. So you, you can say that you, you may have wanted to do better, but you have that brand for sure, Jim, in, a, in all the positive ways that I could say it, um, you and your wife. And we've had on and off so, social interactions for, I don't know, 10 or 15, 20 years, I don't yeah. know. And Jim is that person. So whether you told your kids that as often as you'd like, um, maybe not, I don't know, but you showed them, which is more important because authentically you are that person. And I, I, I think you know that you wouldn't say it, but I know that I, but he acts it every single day. Well, Corey, I appreciate that. There is nothing that brings more happiness into life than, than when you build relationships and that they come through kindness. And, and, uh, fortunately, once again, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, my kids taught me to be kind and, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's who I want to be. And so I do appreciate that. Thank you.
So Jim, your kids have gotten a little bit older now and of getting married. And I'm, I'm scared about the whole giving my daughters away thing. So any advice to parents like me who have yet to come to that bridge? Yeah. You know, Corey, that's really interesting that you asked that question because I'll, I'll be honest, I think I have a different perspective on that than most people. When, when my oldest daughter, Maddie was getting married, everybody, and I mean, everybody, my friends, other family members, anybody I talked to is like, Oh, you're giving your first daughter away. And I said, Oh my gosh. And isn't it the most incredible thing in the world? And they're like, what? Like, aren't you? And I'm like, I have learned and I, and to the whole theme of this whole conversation, I wish I would have learned it earlier. Every time I see one of my children take that next step in life, it's the greatest moment I could experience as a father. If it be graduating from high school and taking that next step, if it graduating from college and whatever that next step, a job or marriage, or, or as I mentioned that we have our first grandson and that next step of deciding to have a family and I never, I, I should have, maybe there's something weird on my end, but I never once had that feeling like I'm losing my daughter. I was like, I was so excited for her to take that next step. That's all I cared about. I think it'd be cool for, for the listeners to hear kind of the difference between like, you know, you were busy as a young father and you loved your kids with all your heart, but now with your grandson, how is that different? Oh, it is a world of difference. Um, you know, I'm fortunate enough that we live close to, to my daughter and her husband, my, our grandson, Oliver, and my daughter helps my wife in her art business. And so they, she's over at the house with Oliver quite a bit. And when Oliver comes into the house, when Maddie brings him into the house, my whole world shuts down. All that matters is Oliver. It, he comes in and it is 100% bring Oliver over here. And he's all I'm even thinking about. And I compare that to when I was 24, 25, 26 years old and had a one-year-old. I may be holding them. I may be giving them a bath as you know, I may be, my mind was everywhere else. Oh, I got to do this at work. Oh, I didn't get this finished. I got to call this person. I got to do this. I got to shoot this email out. I, I never turned it off with my own kid. With Oliver, I've learned just, I just shut it off. And I, Wish I would have done it with my own kids. I've got to remember to do that with my kids now. Just shut it off. Just be all in. That's it. Yeah. It's yeah. just that being present. Um, yeah. Totally. It's a pretty good segue into uh, the gentleman question. You want to ask the gentleman question, Corey? Yeah. I can't believe we're so much time's gone by. I know. Already. It's I'm... gone by so fast. Um, so we, we finish the podcast every time with one question. And that is, what does it mean to you? to be a gentleman? I think we've touched on it a little bit in, in different ways throughout this conversation, but, but a true gentleman puts others first. Um, and, and a true gentleman is, is more worried about um, how they can, how he can um, help others be, be aware enough of what someone is going through in their life. Um, because listen, uh, you know, no, we all look around and say, wow, that person, they've got everything going for them, but we all have challenges. Um, we all have struggles. We all have things that keep us up at night. And, and a true gentleman is aware enough of those around him to, to know when they need a little extra love, a little extra kindness. We talked about kindness, um, a little extra help. 
and and can put aside his own wants and needs um, to to be there for someone else. Thank you, Jim. It's been a very valuable conversation for me, and I hope uh, the listeners got the value out of it that I did. Um, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and anything resonated with you today, uh, just encourage you to take action on it. Uh, if it's something that Jim said and you thought, hey, I can identify with that, um, you know, sit down and, and take an inventory of, of what you can do to be better because definitely, you know, the only thing in life that you're going to regret is not taking action on things that you should have. Uh, and so if something spoke to you today, um, you know, go take action on it. And that's, that's why Jim came in today. Why we do the podcast um, is to help the people that listen to the podcast. We selfishly get a lot out of it. Um, you know, honestly, by the time we listen to it multiple times, uh, you know, Corey and I were talking today, it's like reading a book on fatherhood every week. And it's, it's very, very beneficial for us as hosts, but we do this so that you can listen to this and share this message with the people that you love. If you think that it can affect them and their lives to become better people uh, and leave a legacy in their families that they'll be proud of. So thank you for joining us on the Gentleman Project podcast. Uh, please like and follow the podcast on any social media platform that you follow. Uh, we're in all of them. Uh, you can download the podcast on any platform and, you know, interact with us. If you've got some feedback, a topic that you'd like discussed or any questions that you'd like uh, to ask our guests from present or past, um, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks again for joining us. I'm Kirk Chug. And I'm Corey Moore. Talk to you next week.